Welcome to the Busy Latter-day Saint, where righteous desires and living life come together. Here, members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints discuss their challenges and successes in studying the scriptures. I'm your host, Richard Bernard. The music for this program is by Marvin Goldstein and used with his permission. If you've enjoyed this podcast, I encourage you to comment on this episode or the podcast in general. To leave a comment, click on the link in the show notes. Because I'm not posting a weekly episode, I encourage you to subscribe to the podcast to be informed when a new episode has been posted. You subscribe by tapping on the subscribe or follow button. Each podcast app is different, so if you don't see the follow or subscribe button, a simple Google search will show you how. I encourage some expenses related to this podcast, and I've had opportunities to monetize it, but I refuse to do so. Now, this is because this podcast is a result of the book I wrote on the Gospel Library, and all of the funds from the book were donated to the General Missionary Fund, and I consider this podcast to be an extension of that book. If you enjoy this podcast and have benefited from it, I encourage you to start donating a few dollars to the General Missionary Fund each month. Today's guest is Mike Matson. Mike is known for his expertise on the Mosaic Tabernacle. Mike, with the help of others, constructed a life-size replica of the tabernacle. I have included in this podcast a link to photos I took when it was on display at the Highland South Stake. I'm sure you'll find Mike's comments of the tabernacle of great interest. And now, here's Mike. Mike, welcome to the podcast. How are you this evening? I'm really good, Helen Bernard. It's so good to be with you. Well, I've really been looking forward to this because you've got some interesting tales about the, the tabernacle I want to get into. But before we do that, I want to talk about your family. Where did you, have you always been in the church? Yeah, I'm <clears throat> as probably as Latter-day Saint as you can get. You know, grew up in Provo, lots of rich pioneer heritage. Uh, you know, met my wife at BYU. We have six wonderful children. I mean, it's just... It's that story, right? It's the classic story. It's the classic. You can't. I even we even met in the Cougar Eat. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was not her home evening brother or uh -huh. whatever, but, but yeah. And and um, we have six wonderful children. I've got my seventh grandchild is on the way. Oh. And um, I'm just we're just spending all our time trying to get to heaven and get our family to heaven as well. Yeah. Now, what church positions have you held? Oh, I, that's a great question. I, I'm currently in a stake presidency, and I, I think one of my most wonderful callings was being a bishop of a young single adult ward. I led the young single adults. I spent uh, a number of years in seminary and institute, and I don't know. I've, I've had, I think I've had them all. I think, I can't say I've had them all, but I've been the primary president. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, the way things I've, going, you may be. I, I, <laughs> you never know. You never know. But yeah, I've, I've had plenty of uh, wonderful church experiences serving and, and will continue to do so. Mm -hmm. And you served a mission? Yeah, I served in South Carolina, which I think every member of the church should go track down a street in South Carolina <laughs> because you learn a lot <clears throat> about yourself, about, about the Bible, about the wonderful Baptist, which I love, and the Lord. So, great mission. Oh, wonderful. And what are you, your occupation? What are you doing now? Well, right now I work for a wonderful company called Aptive. I, I spent 29 years uh, working in the church. I, I spent 13 years with seminary and institutes. I taught seminary, then institute, uh, then spent three years at the church office building um, helping 
uh, create training for seminary teachers, our 40,000 mm -hmm. you know, member workforce out there with our volunteers as well as our full-time. And then, I, excuse me, I left, um, I, I left to go to the, to the curriculum department at the time and, uh, and the, we went to go revise youth curriculum. I thought I was going to be there maybe five years, you know, and oh goodness, I think 16 years later, uh, after having had just a, a really incredible journey, um, I, I, I ended my church career at that time and started to work for a company named Aptive and um, environmental, and I help create learning uh, and teaching materials. Okay. Well, I've seen the Aptive trucks. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. We, we try and help people enjoy their homes and keep away from pests. But yeah, it's, it's, a, great, it's a great company. But I, my, my, my church experience, and, you know, I, I had, uh, it was really neat. I was usually involved in three or four different major projects at the time, but church curriculum, manuals, for everything from the nursery manual all the way to come follow me, and I help, I help start face-to-face uh, -face events, if you've heard of those, mm -hmm. and was involved with a lot of video production as well as manuals, and I, it, was a, it, was, it was an incredible journey, and never a dull day, yeah. and always well, in the scriptures. Well, now you said 29 years, right, at the church? No, uh, yeah, so 13 with seminary, and then, and then, what was that, 20, 26? No, I'm sorry, 16. Well, did you start working for him when you were 12? <laughs> You're really kind. <laughs> no, I'm because 55. Because you don't, you, I'm 55. I'm trying to put the years together I've got together seven grandchildren. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so 16 years with, with uh, the priest and family department and 13 years with SNI, 29 years. And, um, yeah, but it was, it was great. It has been great. And I'm not done, so. Okay, well. Like I said, you look, you look quite, quite, uh, quite young. Well, I heard about you because the, um, is it the Highland State? Mm -hmm. Okay. Highland South, yeah, Highland, Highland South State. Highland South State um, had a, a wonderful, I think it went all week, didn't it? it was, uh, yeah, we had our little temple week. Okay, the yeah. temple week. And you spoke on the tabernacle. Yeah. And um, you seem to know a lot <laughs> about the tabernacle. <laughs> And uh, what I'm going to have to do is put in the show notes. I've never done this before, but I'm going to put in some photos that I took of the, oh, tab of the tabernacle that, that was built. But the audience needs to understand that not only did you speak about the tabernacle, but then you went into the cultural hall and there was there the was. tabernacle. <laughs> Life-size life tabernacle. Sure. And so um, that was very, very impressive. Uh, when did you first get interested in this about the tabernacle? You know, that's a great question. Um, I don't know what your church, what your your temple experience was like, um, but ever since I was, uh, well, let me go back a little bit with my my love affair with the scriptures. Can I do that a little yeah, bit? Yeah. And um, I know that what's one of the things you do is help people understand the scriptures. I love that, by the way, about your podcast. Um, I <clears throat> when I went on my mission, I, I I knew very very little about the church. And knocking on the streets of South Carolina, you learn. A lot of things about the church really fast. Most of them aren't true, but but it just threw me into this um, desire or need to, to know uh, the truth. And now, um, that, I, go ahead. I hate to interrupt, but 
That's interesting. You grew up in the church. I grew up in the church, and yet you didn't know that I much about the church. I just didn't know. I, I did not. I did not know much about the church. I didn't receive my patriarchal blessing until I was in the MTC. I hadn't read the Book of Mormon cover to cover until I was in the MTC. I'm not recommending that to anybody. <laughs> so you're one of those that in seminary you were usually in the back asleep. Well, no, I, I yeah, kind of. <laughs> I wasn't asleep. I just didn't go home and read it. No, oh. I went home and played. I had a wonderful seminary teacher, Jack Christensen, at, at Tibbu High School. And uh, in fact, it was in his class that I determined that I, I wanted to, to be a teacher, which, oh, okay. you know, if you decide to be a teacher in life, you need to find a, a sweetheart that's willing to live on a teacher's yes. salary and, <laughs> and, and things like that. But, but I, you know, I, Elder Scott um, said that when you memorize a scripture, he used the word friend, it becomes your friend. Mm -hmm. And the Holy Ghost can recall those words to your mind at any given moment. I ended up in early on my mission memorizing over 320 passages of scripture. Not, I'm not saying anything, I need anything, I just I had to. Mm -hmm. And, and it's, it was the beginning of my thirst for knowledge in the scriptures. I got into the Institute manuals when I was on my mission, which I still think are some of the best commentaries we've got. They're correlated, approved materials to learn about the scriptures. And when I came home, I, I, I just, I, I thought, man, I, I want to help people understand the gospel. It just drove me crazy when, and it still does today, when gospel concepts are misunderstood, the temple being one of those. And so, you know, I have a real, I have a real passion, and I always have, about understanding the scriptures. In fact, a pattern that I, I learned in, in, in teaching and training is very simple. Uh, when someone asks me, you know, I'm, not, I'm not perfect at this, I'm sure I'm, I could be a lot better, but when someone asks me how I study the scriptures, it's fairly simple as a pattern. I search the scriptures looking for scriptural truths. Sometimes they're stated right in the scripture. You know, God cannot lie, for example. Yes. Sometimes they're implied principles. And... Um, you look at the story of Venus when he's going to pray, or Joseph Smith, they went in the sacred grove. There are all sorts of implied principles about being alone when you pray. And, and, or, or David and Bathsheba, you know, he's mm -hmm. on the roofs. He's on, on, on the king's roof. It's probably yeah. elevated. Yes. He sees a woman and looks long enough to know she's beautiful. I mean, you can start thinking, oh my goodness, there's some principles there. There's some yeah, teachings there. And so, the basic thing is he didn't turn away. Right, right. And so... Yeah. An implied principle, if I find myself in a place I should not be, I should get out. Yes. <laughs> I should run, right? <laughs> and so you search the scriptures looking for those truths and then really simply just analyze them. How, they, how did that truth affect the people in the scriptures in that moment? And then bridge the gap from there, there, then to me here now and mm -hmm. say, well, how, does that, how can I see it? What are some things I need to get away from mm -hmm. in these last days, right? What are some places where I should, I should not be or... Uh, and, 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 then, and then just apply, just, okay, what am I going to do now about this? And so it's really simple, just search, identify, analyze, and apply. And, and um, I've tried to do that, you know, my entire life, whether in my teaching career or my personal life. That's how I search the scriptures personally. I'm identifying those truths all the time. And one of the things I was passionate about young was, was when people went to the temple for the first time and didn't have a good experience. Mm -hmm. And because I've, 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 I can say this because I worked for the curriculum party for a long time, I just felt like our temple preparation experience could have been a lot better. And I know the brethren are revising right now. I'm very excited for the revisions. They're talking openly about the covenant. They'll be talking openly, for example, about the covenants we make. I'm so excited. But, and so I just went on a little quest to try and understand the temple myself. 
and then help other people understand the temple so when they you know before they go they have a good experience mm -hmm. and i felt i found that the easiest way to do that and the way that i felt the safest doing that mm -hmm. was by understanding myself and then teaching others about the old testament temple because the more you understand about the old testament temp you know is the old testament's the mm -hmm. foundation Yes, it is. And the more you understand about the Old Testament tabernacle and temple, the, the, the more you understand our experience, and mm -hmm. the more it's, and then it's easier to make those applications mm -hmm. in your life. Absolutely. So that's kind of how I okay. got started. And, and uh, I don't know, I think I'm doing, I'm doing a little double prep class experience like the one you saw, uh, at least just on my computer for probably 15 or 20 years, just okay. to help people before they go through. Yes, yeah. I remember the fact. I, do they still have it? The temple preparation class. I, 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 yeah. I don't hear about it very much. Well, <laughs> but I know that my wife and I taught the class uh, years and years and years ago, and, um, and and I have heard because I my mission is in the priesthood family department, and so um, I have meetings. They're all Zoom meetings, but with the church up in Salt Lake. And I've heard that they were uh, redoing, redoing it, and also preach my gospel. They're, they're, yeah. they're revising that also. Well, the mission, the priest and family department's the one I worked for for oh. sixteen years. Okay. So you're in good company. Okay. They're they're in good company. They've got you. Did you know Rob Jex? Well, of course I know Rob Jex, well, gospel library, dear friend of mine. Okay, well, Rob Jex is the one that called me to my mission. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, I interviewed him from one of my podcasts. Oh, good. Yes, yeah, he, he's a good man. Rob is a good man. Yes, yes, he is. So, um, yeah, they're revising all of these things. So you got involved in the history of the tabernacle and everything. Where did you come up with the idea of building one? Well, <clears throat> I, you know, I believe that any good lesson, in fact, you know, our, our, our training materials in the church, I'll teach that if you want to enhance someone's learning, you use a visual. Mm -hmm. You know, the old teaching no greater call book. Um, mentioned that a lot, and, and, and come follow me, and, and, and um, you know, the, all of the training curriculum that we have created, teaching in the Savior's way, it, it, there's this notion that, and I think Heavenly Father uses visuals. I mean, he's, he's got the best object lessons ever. You know, look at Paul. Paul's, Paul's not seeing things very clearly, mm -hmm. right? So what does he do? Well, Paul gets blind. <laughs> he, he becomes blind, right? And how does he, how does Paul become freed from his blindness? Well, he's got to go to a Melchizedek priest to hold her and, get, and get a blessing. I mean, what, what an object lesson. Paul, you're not seeing very well. If you want to see, very, if you want to see mm -hmm. well, go here and re you receive a blessing. And then he's, his, his sight's restored both physically and obviously spiritually. So Heavenly Father's object lessons, I think, are, are incredible. And, 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 and um, you know, if you just take just simply where Christ was born, you know, he's born in Bethlehem, mm -hmm. which means house of bread. Yeah. He's, you know, here he is. He, he's teaching. <laughs> he's laying in a manger, which mm -hmm. means to eat. Mm -hmm. And and here is the bread of life, born in a place that means the house of bread. And he's laid in a manger, something where animals would eat. But the invitation to partake mm -hmm. of the bread of life was there just from where Christ was born. Yeah. It's just, Heavenly Father, it's, so visuals are incredible. And it, and, and with, you know, with learning theory, if you use a visual when you're teaching, you're going to enhance the, 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 the learning. And so mm -hmm. um, I've always used visuals when I teach. And so what, what not? Yes, can, these can, are can, huge Oh, visuals. I know. <laughs> well, not, like scale. Can, not like you can carry it into the Sunday school classroom. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, you can't. And we've we wanted to build. I wanted to. I've always wanted to build this to scale, and all of our artifacts are to scale. And so, it's just so much. It's so much better. I think if you remember, we start everyone in the in in the in the chapel, mm -hmm. and we and and what's so neat is we we talk about the Exodus, and and you start to wonder, well, what does the Exodus have to do with the temple? The story of the Exodus. Everything. And uh, everything, yeah. And and they're not, you know, if, if you think about the Exodus story, you have a people in bondage, and they get, they get freed by Christ. They go through this body of water. They wander for a while. They get help from heaven with manna and pillar of fire, and, mm -hmm. and they, they finally enter their promised land. Well, that pattern, uh, the, you know, the, the church even teaches that that pattern is the plan of salvation, that you and I, we come in this world, right. We get in bondage to sin. Christ delivers us. We even go through a body of water to 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 be, be you know essentially die and be born again. And then we wander and we get sanctified and we have help. We have the manna. We have the light, and our promised lands, a celestial kingdom. And so, and so, what we do after we establish that in this presentation, we of course we of course we say, okay, well let's let's tie all of that to the tabernacle because the tabernacle itself. Uh, and it's in its plan and its ordinances are representation from us being alienated from God and then going back into his presence. And so what better what better way than to actually go take our my friends, whoever's there, and actually walk through the tabernacle uh, to see it and, and go up and touch the artifacts and, and and visualize what it means for us today. So we we just we thought well why don't we just <laughs> why don't we just build one and, and we're not done we, we we think we might build the last part which would be the actual tent and and um, but it's it's life size and it's fun it just yes. yeah now what me. closet in your home are you keeping all this <laughs> you know I, I probably shouldn't say this on your podcast but they're in the attic of the stake center <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I don't know if you know this most stake centers have a huge attic that goes all the way around I and it's I never really thought about it but yes it's I can they, imagine it's a big attic so. HVAC stuff is yeah. up there and it's just kind of aligning the <laughs> aligning there's a, yeah, well, you, know, you talk about the Exodus and everything. It's also about the covenant because the covenant was made with Abraham. Yeah. And 400 years go by and Heavenly Father doesn't forget us. If he makes a covenant, he's going to keep it. And, and he waits for a certain time so that, that, that we have lessons within the history of itself. But it was even while they were wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, they weren't always the most obedient group. <laughs> well, that was the idea, is to get them obedient, right? Yeah. And, <clears throat> and, but he would always turn to that, that covenant yeah. and, and remind them of the covenant that was being made. Well, that's a very interesting story. Now, you, before we started recording, you said you had people helping you. So how many people have actually been involved? Oh, goodness. I don't know. I had... Have a In our stake, we have a man named Preston Cow. I think he's one of the greatest craftsmen in the stake. He... Uh, does finish work uh, and owns owns his own um, owns he, he has he runs finishing crews for people's homes. Mm -hmm. He owns his own company that builds custom doors and railings and yeah. things like that. And he helped he helped uh, uh, in quite a bit with the construction of the of the things. Erwin Ortley, who who built our menorah out of cast iron, and he hand bent it. When you, if you see, <laughs> hope some of your listeners get a chance to see our menorah because it is perfect. It is perfectly bent and he hand bent it. And, and we just had, I don't know, we probably had about um, maybe 20 people 
I uh, had some wonderful sisters help us make the veils of the temple for this last go around, mm -hmm. and and um, yeah, probably twenty wonderful people have mm -hmm. kind of helped put it together. And well, now the Old Testament doesn't tell you how many feet something was. <laughs> it was in cubits. Yeah. So, and I've done research on cubits, and there's no exact um, measurement on that. How did you decide what a cubit is? Well, I went to the manuals and it said a cubit was about this many inches oh, okay. and <laughs> I cheated. I, I let other people do the research and say, okay, the Ark of the Covenant's about this big okay. or the, you know, the altar of sacrifice was about this long and so mm -hmm. we think it's pretty close to scale. Now, have you presented this in other stakes or other areas throughout the state? You know, we haven't um, ever really taken our show on the road. It's, it's quite an undertaking. We in our stake, we is a stake presidency. We just we've just always we we really want our saints to love the temple and go there. And mm -hmm. so we just we just started. Actually, this might sound kind of this is going to sound really strange. This is we we love teaching our youth that the especially the young men and young women, for the young men, their next ordinance, saving ordinance, is receiving the Melchizedek priesthood, and 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 then their endowment, and um, and for the sisters, it's the endowment. We. We kind of get this backwards in the church. We think that the next major thing in our life when we're 17 is a mission. Mm -hmm. Well, the next major thing is receiving the Melchizedek priesthood and going to, and receiving your endowment. endowment. And if, yeah, if you can keep those covenants in the temple, we'll, we'll probably send you on a yeah. mission, you know? So we actually, I, I built these uh, to take on, on conferences for youth. Oh, okay. So we have a, our stake is so big. We have, uh, you know, over 800 active youth. And so it's so big, we can't do stake youth activities with the entire stake. So. We take just our priests up in the mountains for three or four days, mm -hmm. and it's a Helaman's camp. We take our, our girls up in the mountains for three or four days. It's a milestone to Christ. And during that experience, we actually will haul these oh. <laughs> artifacts of the, ta of the tabernacle up there. We'll, we'll set it up, and we teach our youth about the temple and get them excited to go. And so we started doing it there, and then, and then we had the thought that... Um, that, that you know, we just we want our members of the uh, of the stake understanding the temple. So there was six classes. We we you know we just did this little temple week where there was six wonderful classes. Mine was only one of them. There was some really neat classes. Um, well, does all this fit in one trailer? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it fits in one. It fits in one trailer. At least it, it did. I I've expanded it with the with the veils this last time. We haven't tried to take the veils, but. We have a lot of really wonderful people with big snowmobile trailers. <laughs> so when we need to go, we put it all in a snowmobile trailer and, oh, okay. and and pack it up. And well, I think this would be a great BY Education Week presentation. Well, that's really kind. It probably scared me to death, but if if BYU had me, I'd go. Well, what you need to do is apply. <laughs> and, but uh, the deadline is September thirtieth. No, I just so, pa we just passed well, it. Well, so for this coming year. Uh, I want to encourage you to apply and show pictures of what you what you would do, and then it, around in January they either give a thumbs up or thumbs down. But um, I think it would make a great BYU education week. Well, thank you. I'll, I'll think about that. I know my friend Rob Jackson and others mm -hmm. have <coughs> gone down to present on the Gospel Library and other things. I've always wanted to go to Education Week. I might try it. Yes, uh, I've taught classes there on the Gospel Library. And then this last year, I helped with the Sunday school. But no, I think it would be a, a fascinating, uh, it'd be well attended. <laughs> it'd be very, very well attended. Now, I'm not sure where they would put the 
<laughs> the model, I guess, in that courtyard, assuming the weather's good. Yeah. Well, it's, it's August, it's it should big. be. But uh, maybe they would be able to, to get that. Well, now I'm looking at your scriptures. That looks like it's um, the Book of Mormon, Pearl of Great Price, and Doctrine and Covenants. And it's pretty well worn. Well, In fact, it looks like it's falling apart. <laughs> yeah. It's like an old pair of shoes. I shouldn't speak about the Word of God like that. But yeah, I've got notes from my whole life in these in these scriptures and I I I can't I can't divorce myself from the printed mm -hmm. words. It's hard. I love the gospel library and I, I, I carry my scriptures obviously everything. I listen to them every way every day on the way to work, mm -hmm. on the way home from work. But yeah, I I I I think the reason why I like these scriptures so much is because my, the, it has my life learnings. You can see, you can see writing, and yes, very small. those are the, yeah, very small. <laughs> These are my. It's my life's learning, and um, I just I don't want to I don't want to lose because when I identify these principles and doctrines or mm -hmm. scriptural lists or things like mm -hmm. that, um, I write them in here, and I don't have the best. And memory. I even saw an insert there somewhere. You had yeah, I used to I used to do this quite a bit. I, I would. Put, I had somebody I interviewed that would yeah. uh, would do this. Yeah, I just I I this is rice paper, so uh -huh. it's the same consistency yeah. as my scriptures. Uh -huh. And like this one, um, this is like it's a list principles concerning pre priestcraft in the Book of Mormon. Okay. And it just has a list of, of eleven of them based mm -hmm. on it's just a scriptural list. Okay. The characteristics, doctrines, and anyway. Well, one challenge I would give you, I'm sure you, you want something else to do with your life, um, is all of that can gradually be put into the Gospel Library. Over oh, time. yeah. Yeah, I know that. Yeah. It could be put Every in. note. Every note could be put <laughs> in. And then access to it is really great because you just type in a word or two and all your notes are indexed. Right. And um, you could even take those inserts. Um, I teach people how to take something outside the gospel library, create a link, and then put the link in the gospel. And so, uh, ob obviously, you've got a lot of notes there, <laughs> and so it would take uh, maybe a few years to do. But as you, that would be a worthy project. Yeah, but well, you know, you, you do it as you study the scriptures. You know, you just yeah. you just gradually um, gradually put it in because um, one thing nice about the gospel library is it can be passed on to future generations. Yeah, you know, I had a really neat experience <clears throat> with the Gospel Library uh, with my second and youngest daughter. Um, I, I remember we were we were on we were on a in a, on a car ride, and we we didn't we had about an hour to go, and and I cannot remember now how it came up, but um, she we were talking about seminary and. And she says, "Oh, I, I took a note, you know, in my in my in my scriptures, you know, in my gospel library." I said, "Really? Do you want to share it with me?" And it was really funny because she opened up her her gospel library and began sharing just the notes, mm -hmm. her impressions that mm -hmm. she had had from seminary that year, mm -hmm. and it was so cool yes. <laughs> because and, and those those impressions she received in seminary will be with you know with her right. her and her children or her grandchildren mm -hmm. if she wants and and uh, it's one of the great things about technology today. Yeah, yeah, it really is. I was discussing with my wife, um, I don't know how the topic came up, but you know, when the Savior comes, there's going to be a lot of turmoil. And are the, is the internet going to keep working? <laughs> are we going to be able to charge, charge our batteries? And, and, and I explained to my wife, I said, you know, 
I have a bunch of quotes from our apostles and prophets that technology has been given to us to further the Lord's work. And the church is taking all of those microfish that are in Granite Mountain, is that what's called Granite Mountain? And, and doing it digitally. And the church is spending a ton of money on servers and, and things like that. And I said, some way it's gonna be preserved. <laughs> I don't know how it's gonna work. It wouldn't bother me today if the Savior came and I couldn't use my iPad or my phone, that's just fine. But somehow the Lord's made it arrangement that what we do have on these devices will somehow be preserved. I fully believe that. Otherwise, he wouldn't have us using it. <laughs> no, it's really neat to, to preserve learning and preserve impressions. Yes. Like, this could be, I mean, I could lose my scriptures really easy and, and to do so, and, and uh, I, would, I would lose all this. But yeah, transferring this was, is a great idea. Yeah. Um, the other thing, with your phones now, you can scan every page. Yeah and actually have that. Have my old writings. In the Gospel Library, I have my patriarchal blessing. I've got my line of authority in there, so I can bring it up at any time. Well, I want to get back to the tabernacle. Out of your many years of studying it, what have you gained hmm. from it? What's one or two lessons that you, that you feel has been life-changing for you as you've studied it? You know, probably the most, probably the, the, the thing I like the most, and, and it probably came out when I was, when I was teaching. I, I love the concept of the veil, the, the, the second veil of the tabernacle, the veil that separates the holy place from the holy of holies. Um, because symbolically to me, it, it's, it's, it's teaching me that there's one day I'm going to be standing before the bar of God or... I'm on one side, and you know, and you know, the Lord, the God, the Father, is on the other, and justice is there. I mean, that that beautiful Ark of the Covenant had the Ten Commandments in it, mm -hmm. the law. Mm -hmm. Here's the law sitting in there, mm -hmm. and on top of the on top of the Ark of the Covenant was the mercy seat, it's the throne of God. It's yeah. beautiful gold um, mercy seat, and and to me, what it means is that that mercy will eventually. <laughs> Mercy overrides ju justice. Mm -hmm. Mercy overrides the law. It's the mercy seat, and that's the throne of God. And so I visualize myself one day standing there. Uh, hopefully Christ will be with me, He's my advocate before the Father and before in this moment. And uh, He'll be pleading my cause before the Father. And because of Him, um, I will be made worthy, or I am worthy, to be able to enter in the presence of God. It's only, through, only in and through Him can... Mm -hmm. Can we can we be saved and and so I I have probably learned the most about for me personally about that about that present I think and future moment that that uh, Christ will help me be worthy to for the blessings of of, of, of eternal progression mm -hmm. and so I, I love I love the thought and I, and I love thinking okay I, I just want to I want him with me. You know, and I, I'm going to try and model my life and do things in my life that will keep Christ with me. Because in that moment, um, in that moment, I, I, I want I want that not to feel awkward. <laughs> you know, I, I want yeah. I, I want, and I'm not going to be perfect. We're not. You know, when I interview a lot of people and give them the temple recommends, the very last question: Do you consider yourself worthy mm -hmm. to enter the Lord's house, participate in temple ordinances? So many times, especially sisters, we'll, 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 they'll be going through the interview questions and be doing so great 
they get to that question, last question, they start, to, they just burst into tears and start crying. You know, I don't know. I'm like, and I say, no, 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 no. It, it, if you're not worthy, I'm in trouble because they're just incredible people. And, and so I, 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 say, can I, I say, can I tell you how I answer that question? And they say, yeah, how do you answer it? And I say, well, yes, I'm worthy, but only because of question two. And they think for a minute, well, question two, do you believe in the atonement of Jesus Christ? I said, if you've answered all the questions as you have, you are worthy. You're not perfect, but you're worthy. And I think that's, that's something that we've, that with perfectionism problems that sometimes we have, it, we've lost that. I think we, going back to my mission in South Carolina, I think we can learn something from the Baptists about grace. <laughs> you know, um, Elder Holland's talked a lot about this. It, you know, this is, uh, it's grace that saves us, and we're not perfect when we leave this life. Um, but if we're striving, we're doing, we're striving, yeah. we're fine. We're going to be fine. And, and that moment will be a great moment. People are nervous about that moment. It's not going to be a nervous moment. He's going to be with you. So that's one of the great lessons I think I've learned as I've studied and taught about the tabernacle, is that Christ will be with you uh, all throughout it. He, he, the symbolism, he, he, the clothing of the ancient high priest is beautiful because he has, these, he has this beautiful breastplate that, of course, had a urim and thumb inside. He had, he had uh, and his breastplate had 12 stones on it, and one of the names of the children of Israel, tribes, was written on the back of each stone. Mm-hmm. He had six uh, names written on, on his onyx stone on one shoulder and six on the other. So the house of Israel was essentially being carried by this high priest, who Christ is the great high priest. And, and he, pick, he picks us up, he carries us near his heart. He carries us on his shoulders, you know, all the way back in to the presence of God. And, and, and he picks us up out, out in the outer courtyard. So, you know, I... The Savior is in the altar of sacrifice. He's in the labor. He's in the he's symbolically with the menorah and the table of shewbread and the altar of incense. And this the scriptures talk about him being the veil of the temple and mm-hmm. and and of course the you know the, the Ark of the Covenant mm-hmm. is rich in symbolism of the Savior and and so he's everywhere there. And um, but anyway, so so. Another great thing, probably the second biggest thing I've learned as I've taught is um, we, we do another strange thing. <laughs> we, breathe, we bring live lambs, as you saw, yes. to, the, to, the, to, to this thing. And nothing bad happens for your listeners. Nothing bad happens to lambs. We, animal sacrifice has been done away. <laughs> and so, but we bring them and we actually go through what, what someone would do if they were trying to get rid of sins back then, and mm-hmm. uh, which which would include bringing lamb to the priest, you know, of course, symbolic of we, we do that today with our wonderful bishops, or we go before the priests every week with the sacrament. Mm-hmm. And the the thing that, that I think we've lost in our worship, Elder Bernard, is is um, the 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 offerer would lay their hands on the lamb. Mm-hmm. And with their full force, you know, put their, you know, transfer their identity. They would lay, mm-hmm. they would lay their hands, force, you know, pushing heavily on the lamb, transfer their identity, and confess their sins. And that confession of sins, I think, is something that we've kind of lost a little bit. Because um, the, the, the modern representation of the altar of sacrifice is the sacrament table. It's just, it's, mm-hmm. it's all, the, all the same elements are there. And I don't know when the last time it was, you know, when, for your listeners, when we actually went there wanting to give up one of our sins. 
But that's what this moment was. They would transfer their identity, then they would confess their sins because the sin was about to, you know, the lamb was about to die. We want our sins to die. Mm-hmm. And um, we, we want them, we want to be sanctified by the reception of the Holy Ghost, which is symbolic of that wonderful fire that was there. And so it's helped me understanding the tabernacle and, and, and especially the ancient uh, um, altar of sacrifice and the ordinances around it have helped me realize that when I go, when I partake the sacrament on Sunday, I should not only come with a humble and contrite, you know, a humble heart, contrite spirit. Uh, I, I need to be confessing. Otherwise, I'm taking the Lord's name in vain. I'm, mm-hmm. I need to be giving up a sin. And, um, and, and if, I, if I'm doing that, that I mean, that's, that's what, how it's helped me. It's helped me really realize that mm-hmm. so that I can, I can try to constantly be sanctified and try and just be better. Heavenly Father just wants to be better. He wants us to be happy. Yeah. He's got right. the formula for happiness. It's living the commandments and being nice to our neighbors. Well, that, that makes me think a little bit about um, when we have priesthood meetings and, or, or priesthood lessons and uh, Relief Society lessons and Sunday School lessons, the members are actually supposed to come all prepared, having studied the lesson themselves, <laughs> or read the talk and prayed about the talk and, and, and found out, find out what is in that for them. And what you're mentioning is that we need to do the same thing with the sacrament. We need to prepare all week for the coming Sunday. Absolutely. Yeah, but I, I, I think most of us, uh, I know I've, I've had times in my life where, well, it's Sunday, it's time for the sacrament. <laughs> yeah. And during the sacrament, I try to picture them in my mind and sure. say, forgive me for anything that I've done over the week. But you're talking about something deeper than that. Oh, it's much deeper. Yeah, it's, and it's, it's wonderful. And going back to the Exodus motif, the, you know, the show the visual wandered for 40 years, um, in, in the desert, the, the whole purpose of this wandering is so they could be, become sanctified, be worthy to go in the promised land. And, and that's where you and I are right now. We're, we're wandering, <laughs> like our beautiful song, Redeemer of Israel, mm-hmm. talks about how long we wandered as strangers in sin and mm-hmm. cried in, in the desert for thee, you know. And, and, and that's where we are. And Heavenly Father has the formula. He wants to be happy, and, the ha- and happiness comes as we, as we do that. And so... It's helped me say, okay, what, what, what am I going to give up? What, what am I serious about really giving up and laying on that altar, you know, laying on that land? And, 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 and so it's, 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 it is deeper than that. And I really believe that, I'm not perfect at this, believe me, but I really believe that if Latter-day Saints went to that sacrament table, went to that altar every single Sunday, having thoroughly explored their life and said, okay, I, here's something I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to strive my best. It doesn't mean that they're going to be perfect after that, but I'm, I'm really going to try and give this up. Can you imagine how, every, you know, 52 times or 48 times a year, <laughs> what we would be like as a people if, if, we, if we went back to the true intent, I think, of that moment and tried a little harder? Yeah, it would be very, um, very powerful, and the stake itself would be... Um the stakes would be stronger. Yeah. I mean, the stakes in the ground right. what I'm re- would right. be stronger. The, 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 um, the tightening of the ropes on the tent would be stronger. Missionary work would increase. It's like I was thinking as I was coming here, if we could just get people in the church to study the scriptures daily and have personal revelation daily. 
what a difference that would make. Suppose in, and I'm not going to go in the numbers uh, with the audience, but the numbers are very low on the members of the church actually study the scriptures daily. And I was thinking, knowing what those numbers are, I was thinking, what if in our stake or your stake, you could double that? Hmm. What different? How much different would things be within the state? You know, no, yeah. Uh, and I was even thinking, Bishop's life would even be easier <laughs> because he wouldn't have so many people coming yeah. and saying, "I've got this problem," yeah. or "I've got this or that." You know, in our state, there were some problems um, uh, with um, you know some neighbors and things like that, and just and the bishop did everything he could to get people to love your neighbor as yourself. <laughs> And I don't think we would have these problems right. if, if we were doing that. And if well, we're if doing, we were but going to the ultimate, for can, can you imagine if, well, the brethren have defined the, in the church handbook of instruction, I'm so glad this is here, that one of the covenants we make in the temple is about the law of the gospel. Mm-hmm. And if you read in the church handbook of instructions, they define that as the law of Christ. And so you would read Matthew 5 to 7 if you want to know what, what that covenant is. And yep. I, quite frankly, think it's one of the hardest, <laughs> you know, it, it, it is. in there. Because go read Matthew 5 to 7. One of the, one of the moments in, in, in the Sermon on the Mount, the Savior says, if you desire to come into me, or if you come into me, he's talking about this moment at the altar mm-hmm. when he says this. Mm-hmm. If you come into me or, you know, come, come to, you know, or desire to come into me, uh, and you remember that thy brother hath ought against you. Mm-hmm. You know, leave your gift at the altar. He's talking about this moment, yes. the altar sacrifice. Yes. Leave your gift at the altar and first and go and be reconciled with thy brother. Mm-hmm. And then come unto me. So uh, translating that to back to identifying principles and coming to me here now. Can you imagine if, if you've got a problem with a neighbor or maybe a brother or a sister or a grandpa or someone mm-hmm. and, and understanding what... Christ is asking us in the higher law there, you would, before you go to that, that altar <laughs> and take the sacrament, you would call your friend and say, hey, you know what, this thing between us, I am so sorry for the role I played in it. I really want to get it behind. I want to be your friend. Will you please forgive me? And, mm-hmm. and then just be, respond, not, don't get defensive, right. you know, right. respond positively and yeah. just try to reconcile. And then the Savior says, then come unto me and I'm going to receive you. Mm-hmm. So if we, can you imagine if we just lived that one? I mean, it's Thanksgiving, right? And we're, yeah. Thanksgiving week. Yeah. Can you imagine? And, and, and so many families are torn apart. Can you imagine if, if, the latter, if, if everyone in the world lived that one mm-hmm. standard yeah, set forth absolutely. in the Sermon on the Mount? It's, it's what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And, and Yeah. Well, now... In the temple, as you go to the temple, because of your study of this of the tabernacle, how does it change your temple attendance? Oh, that's, I don't know if my attendance is much better, my experience is, is great. Um, because I'm, I'm able to, I'm able to learn things there to transfer back to my study of the Old Testament mm-hmm. tabernacle and, and temple, and I'm able to take things there back to the temple. And, um, you know, I, I, I really enjoy the temple experience. I love the initiatory. I love. The, I, I, I love. I love the. I love the whole thing. Um, you think of the word endow. It means gift, and um, we're gifted in that initial moments in, in the in the temple experience with the initiatory, and you know, just the blessings are beautiful um, that we receive from the Lord, and yeah. So it's it's really enhanced my it's really enhanced my worship.
Well, I thank you for your time. Um, you said you started listening to my podcast, but you haven't heard the end of one yet, have you? <laughs> All right. No. Well, you're going to experience what the end is because I ask each one I interview to please end with their testimony. Oh. Well, that's pretty sacred. I appreciate that. I, um, you know, I, I think I've, I, I got either the luck of the draw. I, I'm not sure, you know, the scriptures talk about it is given to some to know. It is given to others to believe on, you know, on their words. Um, I, I've had the wonderful, generous blessing by my Heavenly Father to, to always have been a believer. I cannot think of a moment in my life when I haven't known that God is there. That doesn't mean I followed Him <laughs> perfectly throughout my life, but what it means is that I've always known and have never had doubts and, uh, that, that God is there and that He has restored His church. I am thinking about writing a book in the future called Evidences of the Restoration. Talked a lot to our friend Rob about that. I believe that there are just a tremendous amount of evidences that God has restored His church in the last days. And I know that, that um, Russell Nelson's a prophet of God, uh, and that we have 15 prophets, seers, and regulars. They're, 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 they're wonderful men. And um, they have been given a fairly incredible assignment to be a special witness of Jesus Christ. So I know that God lives. I know His Son does too. Uh, I know the church has been restored. And um, I, can't, I cannot read the New Testament with almost every, every verse just jumping out saying, hey, God has restored His church. So let me give you, as part of my testimony, let me give an example for your listeners. The first story in the New Testament is not a story of Mary. It's actually a story, the story of, of Zacharias and John the Baptist. Here you have John. <laughs> I'm sorry. Here you have Zacharias, excuse me. Here's Zacharias standing in the temple in his priestly robes at the veil, at the altar of incense, an altar that was used for prayer. You know, and... Um, and, and and an angel appears, and a miracle happens. And so the, the beginning, you know, the beginning story of the New Testament is a story not unlike you and I experience all the time, but people make fun of. And I just testify that if, if you read those, the, the, the New Testament that way, looking for evidences of the restoration, they are everywhere. We've, I found at least 17 points in that one little story that that, that, that are there, that today are manifest in, in God's restored church. So the church has been restored, and our dear prophet has been telling us that unless we learn to, un to hear the voice of the Spirit, we're going to struggle and we'll be deceived in these last days. And I, I uh, testify that, uh, that as we heed the words of the apostles and prophets, we will not go astray. But the powers of uh, heaven will shake for our good. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ, amen.